Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to another bonus episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where we bring you conversations with experts in fields related to urban farming and dive a little deeper into some important issues of our times. Today, we're chatting with our seed expert, Bill McDormand, as he shares some seed wisdom and discusses thoughts and concerns that might occupy the minds of those of us who are saving seeds. Welcome to the show today, Bill. Hello, Greg. I'm, as always, it's an honor and a pleasure to be here. Always fun. I, and, I, and the cool thing for me is that I get to learn things along the way as well. So that's one of the cool. <laughs> that's one of the really cool things for me about doing this podcast. We have four hundred and about four hundred and seventy episodes that we've done over the last three and a half years. We've got over one and a half million listens on our podcast, and. Every time I do an interview with somebody, I get to learn something new. So urbanfarmpodcast.com, check it out. Uh, and uh, this event, the Seed Chat, is always recorded and put up as a podcast as well. So yeah, there you, you have it. You can have access to it later. Yeah, it'll be great. Exactly. Welcome, welcome, Bill. No, so what on earth are we talking about tonight? Well, I just got finished teaching a seed school in a day. And we had it was a great event. And we uh, did, I think there were nine individual modules, we call them, a in lecture a topic in a day. But we've wow. learned, you know, part of this comes from the permaculture movement. People can't, don't want to sit and pay attention for more than, you know, 12 to 15, 20 minutes max. So yeah. we, those are, so we do short lectures. And then in between, we have activities. We're cleaning seeds. We're germinating. We're squeezing seeds out of tomatoes. We're looking at seed catalogs from companies all over the country and evaluating them and, and talking about issues and discussing things. And so we just keep mixing it up. And the day goes really fast. Oh, and sure. a phenomenal amount of information is transferred. And it's taken us eight years, nine years. To figure out, you know, to, to, I, I just felt like it was, um, what we did was the culmination of all of it. We finally got the ball, ball, you know, when you, when you conquer a new subject or, or a new thing you're doing and, and you try and you try and you try and then finally one time you look back and you go, wow, that's that probably the best we've ever, we've ever done. That was it, you know? 
Yeah. And so I'm I'm kind of high from that, and I want I just want to share some of the internal of what you know comprised that school, so other people can learn from that. You know, there are really important things that everybody that comes to one of our seed schools, you know, we've done over fifty now. Wow. Right? We've got way more than a thousand graduates. And so we just learned a lot too from all of yeah. them. Everyone's ever come and, and part of that is what's important to them. What do they need? And so that our program now, I think really interfaces and connects with that really well. I, everybody yeah. seemed pretty satisfied. So when I want to, I want to just tell everybody that we have a special offer for them toward the end. You guys got a grant. And I'm just going to plant the seed here. It's called Expanding Seed Knowledge Exponentially. So anybody that wants to actually learn this stuff well enough to go out and teach it, you're going to have an opportunity to touch on that too here in a little while in our conversation. So Yes, thank you for doing that. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is all building. There's there's a reason for what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, 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 I want you to review something for me because I actually was at, at the residential week-long, I think it was a week, in, it was. in Tucson, Arizona, in June of 2011. And I think that right. was like the second or third seed school that you'd done, right? Right. I think, you, I think you're right. Can you give us yeah. a history of, uh, you know, of your memory history of how seed school came to be? Well, yeah, seed school came to be because I, I woke up one night in uh, early 2010 and I was, I, I had a dream about just how difficult it was for me to get started to learn about seeds. Uh, and some friends started a small nonprofit. We had found some seeds. We wanted to learn how to save them better. Then we started, we had some surplus as most good seeds, you know, seeds, even if you're not a good seed saver, sometimes you end up with way more seeds than you need. So we wanted to, you know, share them. And this is back before the internet, back before you could sell them. There was no eBay. You know, the only way to really do it was to set up a little uh, small mail order catalog company, C catalog company. And so we did that. It was part of a nonprofit. It helped pay for the nonprofit was the idea. Never did, I don't think. But, you know, so imagine yourself in like 1980 trying to start a C company, you know, a little one. I mean, by then, you know, companies had already started, you know, uh, consolidating and getting bigger. Industrial ag was part of our thing. We knew... The world was going to lose a lot of diversity, you know, and that was part of our issue. And so I searched all over for somebody that could help me on our scale. We were just getting going on a pretty small scale. We were a nonprofit. We wanted to share seeds. We wanted to sell some. And I couldn't find anybody. And then I did. It was like finding a treasure. And the treasure was Ken Fisher. He was a man from Belgrade, Montana. And he had a little seed company called Fisher's Garden Seed. And he would fill about 40 seed racks. And put them in his truck every spring and drive them around western Montana and sell them. And that's what he did for a living. He had about a five-acre plot in his backyard in Belgrade where he grew most of the seeds. He had a little desktop offset press that he used to print his own catalogs and his own packets. It was just so elegant. And so I showed up at his house, Greg. You can you can relate to this. It was I'm just finishing up at the University of Montana. So I went over there and I showed up at his house and I go, well, I'm here. And he goes, well, I can see you're here. You know, welcome. And I said, so I'm here to work. And he goes, well, I don't really need anybody to work for me. You know, my wife and I, it's a do everything. And, and once a year, the neighbor comes over to help us package. And so we're, you know, and I said, but I got to learn what you're doing. 
you know, and he said, well, come on, come with me. And he took me on a little walk and he kind of put his, he was in his seventies and he put his hand on my shoulder and I said, Bill, he goes, you know, we're, we're setting our ways. And frankly, to have you around, you know, a young student around, it would just be way more work than it's worth for us. You just be disruptive. He said, I'll help you. Call me, write to me, whatever you need. I'll help you with questions or whatever, but, but there's no, you know, this just isn't going to work. When I woke up in 2010, I realized after, you know, 20, you know, five years of running small seed companies and, and teaching about seed saving that I had become in a way the person that I had been looking for, or I could be that, that it was time to turn around and just help everybody get up to where I was. I'm still learning. There's so much to learn, you know, but I had learned a lot. A lot of it was trial and error. A lot of it I probably could have missed early if Ken had let me, you know, work with him and actually hands on and be there. And so Seed School started this, this idea it was actually the first one was 10 days to wow. try to encapsulate everything I'd learned in 25 years, you know, about what was going on. And then we shortened it to six days. That was the program you went to. Mm-hmm. We've done a number of those programs. And then we got a call to do it in a day. I think it was Fairview Gardens. Michael Abelman. Oh, yes. Operation in California. And they invited me out to speak. And then we didn't really talk about what I was going to do. I was the director at Native Seeds then. And so we land in Santa Barbara and they take us out to the gardens. Everybody's really excited. And I see this big, big chalk billboard as I walk into Fairview Gardens. And it says, super special tomorrow. Bill McDormand is doing seed school in a day. And I go, what is that? What is seed? I never even thought, how do you take a whole lifetime, put it into it 10 days, and then I squeezed it into six days. And now all of a sudden I got to do it in a day? I had no idea how to do it. It was really, so I spent, I stayed up pretty late that night. And we had some really, you know, there's some really great people around there in the permaculture movement and Wesley Rowe and all the folks out there. and, And somehow we pulled it off, you know, and the seed school, you know, so that was like 2012 probably. And so, you know, the one we did yesterday was we did 40 of them in between somehow and, and they're getting better and, and it's a rolling ball and we're learning how to roll with the punches. And so, you know, if, if you have any idea that you want to teach or you want to share your seeds and knowledge, let me just tell you a couple of the big things just off the top before we get going. So you can ask all the questions you want. Mm-hmm. Number one is something's happened almost every time when we've done a seed school in another place. And we've done them all over the country. I did them in the Philippines even. Somebody local shows up, sometimes more than one, but at least one person will show up who's the expert, the local seed person. Sometimes they're older, sometimes they're younger, sometimes they came out of permaculture, sometimes they've been doing it their whole life, you know, like uh, Thumbs Heath had been alone in the wilderness for 25 years, you know, doing it. Fantastic plant breeder, unbelievable. And they'll show up and, they'll, you know, and they'll kind of, some are more arrogant than others, but they'll give you some version of the same story, like, who are you? Why are you here from out of town trying to teach us how to save seeds? Wow. And so I always look at them, I smile, and I go, we're here to open up a space so that seed saving can be shared here. You're our keynote speaker. Thank you for volunteering. (laughs) (laughs) And every time they take it and we integrate them and they become part of the program and whatever they teach gets rolled into the next one we do. And we've been doing that over and over and over again. And it's so much fun. When you let go of trying to own and control it, yeah, 
and trying to think that you're the expert. If you can learn, and this is the second thing, just learn to be honest about what you know. That, that my favorite answer to a question now from class is, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. It took me a long time to say that, you know. First of all, I just wouldn't say it. I was thinking it, but I wouldn't say it out loud. I didn't want to be embarrassed. And people were looking at me as an expert or whatever. But that's the truth. Just be honest. And if you'll be honest with people and you'll invite in outside people that know what they're doing, you'll have a great seed school no matter what what you do or where you're going. And we need seed schools. We need a million seed savers to save the diversity we need to change our politics. That's how we can do this. And to share all the treasures that we're finding. And so, so, you know, climb on. And that's where the, the title of that, um, lecture came from or the, our program with, uh, the Lush Foundation, Lush Cosmetics is expanding seed knowledge exponentially. I'm going to be 65 in October. I'm not going to be as energetic or able to reach out as much as I used to. And so, you know, so I did 50 seed schools. Big deal times 20 people, how, you know, it's over a thousand graduates. We need a thousand times that. That's why we need people to get, step up and learn how to do this. And so now one of the other opportunities that we're able to put on is uh, for the last three years, we've been going to Denver to the Posner Center in October and doing a seed school teacher training. And we now have people coming from all over the world for that. And we've trained more than 108 formally, a six-day program to train you how to be a teacher, extension agents, and and people that train farm professionals. And it's just been great fun. And so if there's somebody out there listening that wants and has thought about doing that, if you're a professional or you're a teacher or you're just super passionate, this is your path. Come join that circle of people because then you've got an automatic backup. You know, I, what's happening now is the the graduates of our seed teacher training are getting together and doing their own seed schools. Melissa DeSaw just did one in Florida, Southern Seed School. Lance Swigert and Don, I'm trying to think of his last name, are now doing one in Colorado. They call it um, Seed to Seed School. And it's taking place one day a month for eight months. Wow. On the Western Slope in Colorado. So you can go over eight months and it's practical. Those guys both have farms. They both save seeds. In fact, Lance Swigert, Greg, is the only guy I've met since I started doing this in 1980 that grows all his own food. He does go down and buy chocolate bars once in a while. That's his weakness. <laughs> right. But he grows all his own food and he saves all his own seeds. How's that? Yeah, the truth of the matter is seeds are really, really easy to save. I have in my front yard, I literally have a forest of carrots that have gone to seed. Yes. And I would bet that there will be, you know, there could easily be four pounds of carrot seeds that come out of this thing. I actually had an interesting thing happen. Last fall, I, I had an intern come in and I thought this person knew what they were doing. So I gave them four ounces, four ounces of carrot seeds. And I said, please go, you know, plant a few rows of carrot seeds. This person used all of the carrot seeds. <laughs> and it worked, right? Oh, well, and it worked. And I, literally there is, uh, you know, I don't know, 400 of them that are going to seed in the 500 of them that are going to seed in the front yard. Oh, my God. So, yeah. Nature's like that. You know, this whole notion of lack, not having enough. I believe lives only in one place on the planet and that's between our ears because when I look at the abundance, the sheer abundance of nature, especially in the seed arena, everyone should be saving their own seeds. Yeah. 
And, and it can be just as simple as planting open pollinated seeds in your yard, letting them go to seed and let the wind spread the seeds. I have parsley and basil and nasturtiums and lettuce and fennel and uh, all kinds of mint that it just, they reseed themselves year after year after year. Isn't that great? They're trying to take care of you, Greg. We have to listen to them more. (laughs) Exactly. So we have a bunch of questions here, but before we get there, Okay. We promised them when we started, we promised them really the answer to how do you get to the point of being able to teach about seeds and teach seed schools? And that's where this Lush, is it Lush Cosmetics? Yes. Lush Cosmetics grant that you guys received is about, and, and the grant's about expanding seed knowledge exponentially. Tell us about it. Well, so if, if any, if any of you listening have been to our seed school programs, one of the things that makes it unique, I think, you know, I'm hoping it's not unique, but it seems to be, unfortunately, is that we give everything away. So everybody gets our PowerPoints. Everybody gets the, the materials we pass out. Every, you know, the idea is for everyone to be successful. We ask that people, you know, give us credit when they use our PowerPoints directly. And I've seen some incredible adaptations. People take them as a base and they make them their own. But it gives you a structure and it makes it really easy for you to go on and design your own program. Mm-hmm. You know, because you, you, you literally have all the experience of all the people that have ever been to all of our seed schools, you know. And so, yeah, it's not ours. We're just passing it on to you. So you get the, you get those kinds of resources. We'll also give you all the resources that we've learned about how to sign people up, how far ahead to do it. We even have online registration through our website that we can do. We'll put up your thing on ours and we'll take all the money and we'll make sure you get it or whatever and all the names and addresses. So it, so it can be really easy. I mean, there's Eventbrite and other things that people can use, but if you need that, we've got that too. And we've got all sorts of other class materials. So that, and we've got our uh, syllabuses. So you can learn to do it the way we did it. You can look at that again, where you have short, really powerful, pointed, to the point lectures that get everybody as much information as possible. And then just when it's beginning to be too much, whammo, we go on and do something else. We're outside with fans cleaning seeds or doing other sorts of things. So, so that's what's available. You know, we'll even come and help. If, you, if you've got a, a program and you need real help, we've got some money to travel to some of the seed schools and help. I'm going up to Don and Lance's school in, Color, in Hotchkiss, Colorado in June, and I'm really looking forward to it. So, you know, this is it. Our, we are a nonprofit that is dedicated to doing this. This is our number one thing. We're not uh, like other seed conservation organizations in that we want to get a bunch of seeds, the big treasure chests, and try to take care of them and protect them or whatever. We want everyone to do their own seeds, every valley, every community, every church, whatever it is, the way we used to have it. We used to have this beautiful network of people doing that. And so our job is to inspire people and to educate them. And now we're inspiring and educating the teachers. And so if you have any inklings at all that you might want to do this, there's an email address. It's bell at rockymountainseeds.org. It's on our webpage. You can go to rockymountainseeds.org. And under programs, um, yep, you'll see the Yeah, it's the last one under programs. It's called Expanding Seed Knowledge. How cool is this? So one of the things that that they can do is we actually have Seed School Online, which is seven lessons. It's kind of a precursor to 
the uh, teacher training. Tell people about Seed School Online. Well, you know, thank you, Greg Peterson and the Urban Farm and your podcast system, because that's where and how we do it. And we did two complete Seed School Online live, and we recorded them. And now you can sign up, and it's really inexpensive compared to a Seed School or what it used to cost to do this. Yep. And there's seven lectures, and you can download them and listen to them, watch them. They're the PowerPoints with voice, they're webinars. And, and you can go through and, and really get the distilled version of what we've, the best of what we've learned. And I like it. You know, it's more expansive than seed school in a day, you know, because it's seven full hours of, you know, so I get to spread my wings a little bit better and it's a little more in depth. And so it's really a wonderful program. I mean, I don't know how many people have come up to me in the last three or four years and told me that they did that. And it was, you know, now then, then they come to seed school teacher training. Nice. Some are doing their own program. So I think all the basics that you would need are in that program also. And, and so, and you'll probably tell us how to, they can sign up for that at the end of the podcast, right? Well, seedschoolonline.com is where you go for. Oh, there you go. There's a short video. You can enroll. There's all the information there. So seedschoolonline.com. And we've been discussing. Yeah. And we've been discussing about doing another live one, correct? Yeah. We, uh, well, Bell has been uh, feeding that to me, and I'm, I'm ready to go when you guys are. Okay. So a heads up, everybody. We're going to do another live version. It'll be a new updated version. I mean, yeah. so, so much of this stuff is timeless. We've been going back through the old ones and listening, and Bell did the other day. She put on her critical hat, and she can be really critical. She, she is the, the editor mm-hmm. for the Rocky Mountain season. Seed Alliance, and she listened, and so I was a little apprehensive because I haven't listened to Seed School online for a couple of years. You know, you know how you do something, and you just—it's out there, and you just don't really remember. Yeah. And now that I'm doing Seed, these other things, I'm—I've gone on. I know what we're doing now is better. But she listened to it, and I—and I, and I, and I was hesitant to ask her, Ooh, <laughs> "How bad is? How bad no, is it? You, it's pretty good and, still." She goes, "It's fantastic." Yeah. It was—it totally surprised me. Her answer. She goes. Oh my God! I, I I had no idea I was going to be really critical, you know. And <laughs> yeah. and so there are some updates, and we need to do those. But you know, Greg, you and I put a lot of time and energy into doing those, and it paid off. You know, that was a that was a, a labor of love, and 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 we worked hard on those things. Nice. Yeah. So that's SeedSchoolOnline.com, and so we actually have some pretty great questions here. But so for those of you that are listening, there's a bunch of you out there. Welcome. For those of you that just joined us a little while ago, Bill McDormand is here and we are chatting about why save seeds, how to save seeds, you know, the whole process. And on the right of your screen there, if you're on our web interface, there's a place to throw us your questions. So I'm going to throw you some questions, Bill. Great. We got Jeff from Muscatine, wherever Muscatine's at. Welcome, Jeff. He says, D.O., it's in Iowa. Do you know any seed saver groups in Iowa? I've been gardening here for three years and have been listening to the podcast for about two years. Great podcast. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate that. I uh, I love doing them. So there's a big seed saving group in oh, Iowa, isn't there, Bill? Well, the, yeah, the world's largest seed exchange is based in Decorah, Iowa. Wow. Okay. What's and the they have about, you know, they... Through their members in the past, and I'm not sure the state, you know, seed organizations go through their ups and downs. And so mm-hmm. I have another uh, suggestion also. And if I lived in Iowa, 
the place I would go first to tap into to Iowa seed knowledge because it's it's more instead of trying to be the largest seed exchange in the world and a national one. Glenn, I'm trying to think of his la- I'll think of his last name. Glenn used to be a, a, a pumpkin and squash grower for Seed Savers Exchange. He moved to, to Decora from Idaho. I met him years and years ago in Idaho. Great seed saver, and he has an organization called Sand Hill Preservation. And he will get you in touch with everything going on about local seed, seeds and seed exchange. It's, and he's got a wonderful catalog he puts out. Sand Hill Preservation, all right? Cool. And it's near Decora. Decora. Nice. So here, I'm going to expand this question a little bit. Thanks for the question, all Jeff. Right. Appreciate it. If you got dropped in any state or city, in the world and you needed to do seeds, what would your pathway to finding seeds be? A seed library or a seed exchange locally. So That's type, in, the, type in Phoenix, Arizona, seed exchange or something or like seed that. seed library, yeah. Libraries, the, you know, they're all, um, I was uh, speaking with Don Tipping from Cisco Seeds, right? We were emailing and the word seed hub has come up, which is sort of a community attempt to take care of the seeds that are adapted and useful in your region, right where you are. And Americans, you know, we use the word seed library a lot. When I was in Rome at Bioversity International, they'd never heard that word. Even though a seed library is just like what um, Vanda and the Sheba is doing in a sense in India, and they're doing in programs in Tibet and Peru and all over the world, you know, they're seed hubs in a way, but we call them seed libraries because we you know, Carnegie, and we have libraries. And the idea of you could check your seeds out and then grow them and then check some back in is what we resonate with. And so there are about 600 seed libraries now around the world. And many cities in the United States have them. So that would be an easy way in because the people involved in a seed library at this stage know where the seed exchanges are. They know who has the seed. It's a, would be re, it's a really great way to short circuit and find local seeds if you move to an area. And... If you don't, if you don't find one and you move to an area, start one. Start one. And then there find, you go. yeah, start, advertise you want to start one. You, you can, uh, you can go to seedlibraries.net. All the instructions on how to start one are on there. Thank you, Rebecca Newburn. Yeah. And have, uh, advertise locally, bulletin boards or whatever, have a meetup and get everybody who wants to help. And then you'll learn where all the seeds are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. So uh, Reverend Frank is on from Cave Junction. I know you could talk for a long time about this, Bill, but I need a short answer because we've got a bunch of questions here. And his question is, is freezing the best way to store seeds? Freezing is a good way to do it, but it's absolutely not necessary. Uh, in Seed School, we teach that the operational temperature that you want to remember is 80 degrees Fahrenheit. Above 80 degrees Fahrenheit, seeds start to die off faster. That's where the curve, the die-off curve starts to get steep if you're used to statistical or mathematical terms. This is testing that was done at Utah State University. So that being said, the colder you keep them, the general belief is that they'll last longer. And so thus, some people freeze them. If you do freeze them, put them in glass or some sort of impermeable plastic Ziploc bags won't be good enough. Moisture will get in there. You want to keep your seeds cool, dark, and dry. All right? And if you're putting them into plastic bags, please don't vacuum seal them. 
seeds need to breathe. They're living embryos. You don't need much. Just what's in the bag will be enough to last for decades, maybe longer. But you don't want to suck, try to suck all the air out or put nitrogen or there's all sorts of other, yeah, food preservation things. So you want to shy away from that. So I put all mine in plastic bags. I mark them really well and I put all those in a glass jar and then I put that in the freezer. Yes. All right. Exactly. Perfect. Thank you. So Joshua from Alameda. Uh, that must be in the Bay Area, given the question. And I'm going to actually take this question. He yeah, says, do favorite, it. Favorite, favorite veggie seed to grow in the Bay Area, question mark. And then he says, great work. Thank you for the uh, compliment on the great work. And I would say your favorite veggie seed to grow is what do you love to eat? I do a fruit tree <laughs> program here in Phoenix, and we sell about 5,000 fruit trees a year. And people used to ask me that a whole lot more. What What should I plant? You should plant what you love to eat. So, yeah, yeah, plant what you love to eat. So Joshua does have a question. I'm going to say this is specifically for you, Bill. Favorite species of seed to save? What's what's your favorite seed to save? Well, you know, it keeps changing. Right now, this year, my favorite seed to save is 2,000-year-old variety of Tibetan purple barley. Barley. I thought that's what you were going to say. Well, you've been doing blows me away. Yeah, how how colorful and beautiful it is. Yeah, and we've talked a lot about grains in the past seed chat. So uh, check out uh, if you go to urbanfarmpodcast.com and just type in seed chat. One of them, one or two of them, will come up with the you know with the grains on them. So Lois from Birmingham, Alabama, is there a way to tell just by looking at a squash seed whether or not it's going to be viable? That's an interesting <laughs> question. She said she you know, soaked you, it overnight and uh, wet paper towel, uh, and she doesn't see any signs of germination. It's really hard. You can tell if it's never going to germinate, if it's got a hole in it or it's been ripped open or it, it's all shriveled up. But generally, it's hard to tell. And, you know, never say never and never give up. It could take it five to ten days to germinate, just depending on the variety and what right. it is. So, so, you know, if you can soak it overnight and then there's no way to tell yet. So, you know, what I would do is plant it where you want it. You know, squash seeds are hard to transplant. You know, mm-hmm. there's something about volunteers, you know, things that decide when and where they want to germinate seem to work better anyway. So I would go out and be patient and put it in where you need it and take care of it and go yeah. see it every morning and, and give it some energy, and and more often than not, it'll surprise you and be okay. So this is from Jeff from Cave Creek, and as I read this question, I am just doing the happy dance over here. Um, <laughs> and you're gonna laugh. You're gonna laugh, Bill, when I read this question, and you'll know why here in a minute. Jeff's relatively new to this forum. Is there an organization? Now remember, he's in Cave Creek, Arizona. Is there an organization or an organized group that has a seed bank that can be accessed? If so, is it strip-related or ornamentals as well? Is there such an organization, and how does one gain access to it? Go! The Great American yeah. Seed Up. Seed Up. Yeah, there you go. There you go. The Great American Seed Up is, is what I was referring to. Oh, and, good. Uh, it's great. Talk about it. Yeah, yeah an event that we started about six years ago. Tell us about it, Bill. Every year, now this is what, going to be our fifth one, sixth one? What we do sixth is one, bring yeah. in, this year will be over 100 varieties of seeds, uh, farm direct. They've all been selected. I used about 30 years' experience. 
in sourcing things that would work really well here in in southern Arizona, the things that will work the best that we can source in large enough quantities to pull this off. And what we do is we come in, we put them in, um, they're actually popcorn buckets. The idea is big bowls. turns out that 90% of the cost of a packet of seeds is the packaging and the whole delivery system to get it to you. So if you strip all of that away and you come down to the church where we are once a year in October and there's big bowls of seeds and you scoop out what you want, we charge you by the scoop and you get the best deal there is. It's farm direct. It's like a pop-up. It's like Costco for seeds. And hundreds of people show up. We we sell about 2,000 pounds of seeds, distribute them, and then all day long we have classes. And we teach you how to start them and grow them and save them. We got some of the Kari on Spencer's there who's the, the uh, great author of, uh, what is it, City Farming? City Farming, City Farming. yes. City Farming is her book. She's there doing classes. Greg's doing classes there. He's been teaching permaculture for 20, for 30 years in Phoenix. And then I'll come do a little basic seed saving stuff. And so these classes will run. There's a frenzy of people out filling up their bags and getting all the seeds that they'll need. So that's the great American seed up. And it's just great fun. And you can meet people from all over. I mean, people are starting to make an event out of it and they meet each other once a year there to talk, to exchange other seeds and to see each other. So. It's really quite yeah. fun. Check out greatamericanseedup.org. And if you want to bring me bring one of these to your area, you can shoot us an email and we can talk about how you can do one of these where you're at. What, if you want to email me, bill at rockymountainseeds.org, I can, um, we can talk about your question a little bit deeper, Jeff, and I can see how far out you want to reach and what kinds of things that you're looking for. And if nothing else, maybe we can have some of those things at the Seed Up also. So we're here to help. So Elizabeth from Davis, California says, how hard do you, how hard is it to start a small seed company in a regular suburban backyard, about a tenth of an acre of growing space, given the requirements for separation of different varieties? So she's talking about actually growing her own seeds. Yay, Elizabeth. And then the, and her other, the second question is, have there been any studies done or is there any information about how contamination, how contaminated a seed might be if it comes from a sprayed plant? So two yeah. separate questions. So let's go with the uh, starting a seed company. Well, I, you know, you could get different answers. It depends on what your goal for the company is. If you want to earn enough money to make a living in your own backyard that small with a seed company, it's going to be difficult probably. I mean, unless you grew cannabis, probably. Well, there you go. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, and got a dollar a seed. <laughs> you can do it. It's relatively easy to do it. To get set up and get started, you can start small, the software, all the problems I had when I started have been solved. You know, you don't have to take, um, uh, fill mail orders, you don't have to print catalogs, all the money's in your checking account by the time somebody orders. The order systems are easy to set up, they can scale them and get more sophisticated as you go on. Growing seeds in a small space is not difficult. Separation uh, requirements uh, for outcrossing crops like cabbages and carrots and those sorts of things means that you can only grow one variety for seed each year. No big deal. Just grow a lot of it. You can grow five-year supply and then grow five other varieties those other years and always have what you need. And then there's all the, actually the most popular vegetable seed in the world are tomato seeds. Tomatoes, about, yeah. 80, about 80% of the people that buy to uh, buy seeds, packeted seeds online, buy tomato seeds. Wow. 
And tomatoes are largely self-pollinating crops. Another flowering crop in between, you could grow 20 different tomatoes in the, on a tenth of an acre in your backyard or 30 or 40. And if you rotate it and, and you know, we used to get enough to run um, my small company. I had about $150,000 in sales. And we would get, uh, and we had, a, I don't know, 40 different varieties of tomatoes. We would get enough seeds for our, comp- our needs off of three plants. Hugely productive. Yeah. You know, so... Three plant. I don't know how many tomato plants you could put in your yard, but that gives you an idea of what to do. Well, um, and if you want, you have further questions, email me. You know, well, do seed school online, and and that'll that'll get you down the road too. So. That'll get you exactly. Well, and here's another thought, and this is something that we really, really need, and that is that we, in in regionally, and you and I have been talking about this for a decade. Regionally, we need people that coordinate seed growers, so exactly. you can grow some seeds. In your yard, but then start enrolling your friends and the people around you and, you know, farmers in the area to grow some seeds for you as well. So a couple of, let me just throw out a couple of quick resources. Rowan White is at Sierra Seed Co-op in California in the foothills near Nevada City. She has seven or eight growers. It's a co-op. One person does all the packaging and running the business and the other people grow the seeds. They all grow seeds, but only one person has to do all the business work. Casey O'Leary is at Snake River Seed Co-op. She was inspired by Rowan at one of our seed schools years ago and expanded her own little small backyard seed company, Earthly Delights it was known as, into the Snake River Seed Co-op. And now she has 22 growers. She's a formidable force. And it just sort of grew organically. And so, yeah, you're right, Greg. This is the, the direction we need to go. And maybe, maybe if you want, you know, I mean, I'm the kind of personality, I just like to have my own little small seed company, you know. I'm not, and I did have contract growers and stuff, but, mm-hmm. you know, you get to decide how big you want it. And there's exactly. real value in having it small. You're never going to make huge amounts of money being really small, but you'll have a lot of fun. You can make some good money for the time you put in, I believe. And you can have a craft that's actually generational. You could pass it on to your kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's something that's really valuable and and worth it. Let, let me just tell you one other story. Don Tipping, who started Siskiyou Seeds in Williams, Oregon, and Williams is a little, little town, and it only has one four-way stop in the middle of town. And Don was going down to the store or something, and he stopped at the stop sign, and somebody pulled into one of the other stops perpendicular to him, and they jumped out of their car while they were both at the stopped at the intersection and shouted, Don Dipping, you're my hero. <laughs> nice. Because that's where they got all their seeds, you know? Yeah. And it's like, Don goes, how cool is that? What what profession can you have in this day and age where people will do that to you, you know? So it's a, it's a great profession. Yeah, exactly. All right. Looks like we got time for one more question. Do you realize it's been 45 minutes already? Um, so we're going to, we're, I'm going to shoot this out. It's, it's not quite a question, but uh, Robert Hayes from Kraus, North Carolina says, uh, are, are we connected with Nathan Kleinman and the Experimental Farm Network? You ever heard of that one? Oh, God, what a character. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. I, I was, me- now I am, and I'm, I'm going to get these guys on my podcast. Oh, you have to. Get Nathan on there. He is such a character. He gave me a packet of seeds, and I opened them up, and, and I go, what's this? And he said, it's Spagus. And I go, Spagus? What is Spagus? I've never heard of it before. And he goes, oh, that's how they, that's, if you're in New Jersey or grew up there, that's how you pronounce asparagus. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) 
Nice. I thought it was a variety of something or a new vegetable. I had no idea. They, those guys are as good as it gets, in my opinion. I haven't spent a lot of time with them, but they're serious about nice. what they're doing. They're uncovering untold diversity and spreading it around. Uh, hats off to Nathan and the Experimental Farm Network. Say hi for me. Cool. He says, great to collaborate with their 135-plus member farms and projects. Uh, they have a farm near Elmer, New Jersey. Uh, Robert wants to know if you're going to be on the East Coast for seed class anytime soon. Uh, you know, we were at uh, Sterling College in Vermont last oh, yeah. summer. Yeah, I remember that. And so far, no. We don't have anything on the books, but um, we go where we're pulled. We need a good partner. We need somebody to help. You know, it's nice if somebody can help subsidize it so the cost is down so we make sure it's full. And there's a lot of organizations out that that'll do that. The Center for Biodiversity just helped sponsor our last one. And it was really great. Everybody got to come for 10 bucks or $15. A lot of wow. people did. Educators did. We need a fresh local organic lunch in the middle of the day. We walk the taco, as Gary Navin, <laughs> Dr. Gary Navin yep. says. And we need a great place to have it. Nonprofit, church, whatever. You know, we don't like to pay for space. We like to have community space. And so if you've got those things and you really, really, really want us there, that's how you get us there. And now we've got 108 teachers, you know, that are out there all over the country. So maybe, you know, one of those or two of those can tag team and come down and get you involved and, and, uh, you guys can do a seed school in a day. So lots of new options. Lots plus of new seed options. School, plus seedschoolonline.com. Yeah, that's a good one too. I'm, uh, been invited to Rome in November oh, to, uh, nice. the Food and Ag- Agriculture Organization a meeting they're having there for the International Treaty on Plant Genetic Resources. I probably won't go to the East Coast this year. I love it. I love going everywhere. It's just so much fun. Yeah, no kidding. So Robert has one final question, and then we're going to wrap it up. He says uh, he'd like to prepare harvesting sanfoin, S-A-N-F-O-I-N. Do you know what that is, seed? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, So he wants tips to do that. Yep, suggestions for strategy and best practices. Well, first of all, tell me what it is. I've never heard of it. Well, it looks a lot like alfalfa, uh, and it's a nitrogen-fixing class uh, plant, and it's in the pea family, I believe. Mm-hmm. It has a pink flower. Really wow. rugged plant. Really rugged plant. You will, it, it doesn't, uh, you know, it was never bred to be harvested for seed in large quantities. So what that means is that there's variation in its maturity. So in other words, some of the seeds come on and mature and they'll fall off before others are ready. So you never get all of it. That was my experience. Got it. And so if you have small amounts, you're in a backyard situation or whatever, just go out every day. And what you want are the seeds that are just about ready to fall off. If you can let seeds mature on a plant as long as you can, they'll be okay. Now, if you can't do that or you're trying to do larger amounts, I mean, say a mid-amount, what I would do is wait until about half of the plant is ready and really brittle and dry. The seeds are just falling off, starting to fall on some of them. The other ones aren't ready, but it looks like it's about halfway done. I would cut the plants and put them on a tarp and let them finish. Yeah. And then you could stretch them by running over them with your car or stomping on them with your boots or whatever. Now, if you're, you know, if you're running a, a harvester through there, then we better talk. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and I, what I could do is probably send you to somebody who does it on a commercial scale already. And, and, and you could talk to somebody who's got experience because that's what you really want. It doesn't matter what you read about it. You, I, you know, the, what I always try to find a guy who just did it last year on the scale I'm trying to do it. 
because there's always new things to learn. So Perfect. hope that helped. Robert, uh, so one, one thing to wrap this up. Thank you, Robert, for this. This is for, oh. let's see here, this is for Elizabeth in Davis, California. Uh, Robert says, comment about sprayed land. Please check out Professor Dumick presentation at the May 3rd through the 6th, 2019 Global Earth Repair Conference on YouTube. Excellent and knowledgeable speaker, especially about glyphosate quantities measured in typical retail grain and bean products. Thank you. Thank you for that, Robert. So how do we get a hold of you, Bill? What's that? How do we get a hold of you? Oh, Bill at Rocky Mountain seeds.org or you can go to our website and my email and bio and everything's on there and so yeah just email um if you do not hear from me and you know immediately or whatever ping me again just send it to me again i just got a lot of stuff going through my desk sometimes and occasionally i miss something and so um it doesn't mean i don't love you it just (laughs) means i'm busy so Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being here tonight. I do want to make three notes here. You mentioned three people that we've had on the podcast. We have almost, like I said, 470 episodes. Michael Abelman, uh, an interesting story, Bill. I don't normally get nervous when I'm interviewing somebody, but Michael Abelman is such a hero of mine. I was actually nervous. <laughs> uh, he well, was and on- Greg, I think, I think that's the best podcast I've ever heard. Oh, I really? I people to that all the time. Nice. Yeah, it's the combination of how you handled it and opened up and gave him a space and, and communed with him. You understood what he was trying to get to. Yeah. but and, and it was the master just kind of unwinding his wisdom. And it is wise. I learned so much. It was yeah. beautiful. Yeah, it was, uh, it was an incredible episode, episode 148. We also had Don Tipping. You mentioned Don Tipping. Yeah. Uh, he was yeah. on ep- episode 170 of the podcast. And Casey O'Leary, we had her on episode 437. So if you go to urbanfarmpodcast.com and just put in their name or episode number and it'll come right up. So I want to thank everybody for joining us this evening. We are, wow, 52 minutes in. Um, it's, you know, I love working with you, Bill. Time just absolutely flies. So thank you so much for joining us this evening. Yes. Catch you on the other side. (laughs) Uh, There you go. I'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks everybody for being here. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the urban farm podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring 
that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.